1: Welcome to Prognosis. I'm Laura Carlson. It's day 86 since coronavirus was declared a global pandemic. Our main story? Madrid was one of Europe's hardest-hit cities by the coronavirus. But now, it's springing back to life. We explore how the city is preparing to reopen hundreds of bars and restaurants. We'll talk to owners about the unique challenges they're facing as they struggle to keep cherished businesses going. But first, here's what happened today. The U.S. unemployment rate unexpectedly fell in May as the economy posted a surprise increase in jobs. The report signals the economy is picking up faster than anticipated. That said, 21 million Americans remain unemployed. The jobless rate is still higher than at any other time since 1940. And economists say the unemployment rate for African Americans actually ticked up to 16.8%. That's more than four percentage points higher than for white Americans. This comes after more than a week of protests over racism and police brutality. New York City reached an important milestone in its battle against the coronavirus. For the first time since March, the city reported no confirmed fatalities from the virus. For months, the city was the global epicenter of the pandemic. In April, the city had almost 600 confirmed deaths per day. But elsewhere, the news is grave. Brazil surpassed Italy as the country with the third most fatalities in the world. And even as the pandemic eases in some countries, the virus continues to spread. There are about 100,000 new cases being added every day as hot spots emerge in Latin America and the Middle East. Finally, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention says a startling number of Americans are using bleach- on food, or misusing household cleaners in attempts to protect themselves from the coronavirus. The agency on Friday released the results of an online survey of 500 people. The survey found that about a third of the respondents engaged in, quote, non-recommended high-risk practices. These included applying household cleaners to the skin or inhaling or ingesting them, risking, quote, severe tissue damage, and corrosive injury. The report doesn't directly reference President Trump's widely denounced suggestion at a news conference in April when he urged researchers to study the use of light or disinfectants on human bodies as potential treatments for the coronavirus. And now, our main story. Madrid is opening back up after a long, hard few months. The city has endured 69,000 cases of coronavirus, and almost 9,000 people have died. Bloomberg reporter Jeanette Newman takes us to a post-lockdown Madrid that is both heartbroken and giddy. Heartbroken by the loss of thousands of its citizens to the pandemic, but giddy with a renewed sense of possibility, despite the challenges that lie ahead.
2: I cursed that sound every morning for about six years. A nearby shop owner rolling up the metal shutters covering his storefront. A screeching start to every day. But for two months during the confinement in the center of Madrid, where I live, the mornings were silent. So were the afternoons and evenings. The screeching started again about two weeks ago. The sound still grates on me. But I have a bit of a soft spot for it now. It's become a daily reminder that the city and the broader Spanish economy are coming back to life. Spain's government is gradually lifting one of Europe's strictest lockdowns, in four stages, province by province, and in 14-day increments. It's as if those of us living in Spain had been forced to go on a fast for two months. And now we're slowly reintroducing some of life's pleasures. First, a bicycle ride outside. Then, visits with friends and family. Eating and dining out. Eventually, travel. In Madrid, we're in the second week of what's known as phase one. Most noticeably, that means madrileños have been allowed to drink and dine outside at bars and restaurants. The first time since mid-March. The sounds of the city are slowly returning. That's the Sunday before we entered phase one. It's 9.45 p.m. on the Plaza Santa Ana, a square in central Madrid. And this is the next night in the same spot and the same time. But now with outdoor seating on the terraces at 50% capacity. We're also allowed to gather with up to 10 people at home. That's meant reunions with friends for the first time in months. I visited friends for dinner on Friday, our first gathering since March. Hello? Hello? Are you stuck? The shared meals have been a welcome respite after the long confinement.
0: eh? This is a celebration.
2: (laughs) The overpowering feeling, though, is one of whiplash. Spain is in national mourning for the more than 27,000 people who have died during the pandemic. And the country, along with the rest of the world, is emerging into the most severe downturn in living memory. Bloomberg Economics expects Spain and Italy to be among the hardest-hit countries in the world this year, suffering economic contractions of 11 and 13%, respectively. That's fueled anger and despair. Some in Spain have channeled their frustration into a nightly cacophony that's known as a cacerolada. That's the banging together of pots and pans, a common form of protest here. Every night for the past several weeks, People have been making noise from their windows, balconies, and local plazas at 9 p.m. They're demonstrating against Spain's government, a coalition between the center-left socialists and the far-left Podemos party. Protesters say the government responded slowly to the onset of the pandemic, and that the emergency economic measures have been too little, too late. Now that we're allowed to gather with friends, many people seem to prefer to be outside their homes in the evening. So the intensity of the casaroladas has eased in recent days. But the frustrations and worries haven't.
0: Oh, I have like a hundred messages that I have to check. <laughs> it's like two hours and then it's like, it's better not to I know, it's better not be away. It's
2: better Ophelia Marin opened three of her seven restaurants in Madrid last week. At this stage, only outdoor seating is allowed, and only at 50% capacity. She says the authorities are focusing too much on the minutia. They're missing the existential threat facing many of Madrid's restaurants and bars. We spoke at one of her restaurants, La Muca del Carmen.
0: In one of the locations, we had um, 23 tables, okay? So now you have to cut by half. 23 by half, it's 11 and a half. So, okay, we said, we're going to put 12. You know, Rounding it's a big, up,
2: right? it's a, exactly. It up, right? It's a big right. plaza. We have space. It's beautiful. Not many cars, not many people. So the police comes and they removed
0: one of them.
2: So they had, they had definitely counted exactly how many you yes. were allowed.
0: Yes. But doesn't make any sense for who, what good that makes.
2: Spain also requires restaurants to keep tables as socially distanced two meters apart. That's about six and a half feet. Ophelia says the number seems arbitrary. In France, social distance is one meter. In Italy, it's one meter in some regions and 1.8 in others. In Germany, 1.5 meters. The World Health Organization says one. Spain's government says the restrictions on occupancy and distance between patrons are necessary to ensure the country avoids new outbreaks. Restaurant managers say they support safety measures, but they say the current restrictions make it impossible to generate enough revenue to cover the cost of reopening. That's one of the reasons that more than two-thirds of the bars and restaurants in Madrid that are allowed to open their outdoor terraces have remained shuttered. The average bar size in Spain is around 100 square meters, roughly 1,000 square feet. The country's small, intimate eateries are part of its old world charm. But they're a distinct disadvantage in a socially distanced economy. Ofelia says she's worried that even when Madrid's restaurants can start serving inside, revenue will still suffer. Social distance, I think is going to be till, you know, phase three, four, who knows. But social distance, I think is going to stay for a while, which that kills us. One option would be to step up online food deliveries. But that's not as common in Spain as in some other countries. Some restaurants have tried to pivot quickly to e-commerce, only to realize that commissions on existing platforms can be as much as 35 percent. That's untenable in an industry where margins are, on average, around 15 percent. Spain was the second most visited country in the world last year. Visitors are able to return starting in July, but hotel managers say they don't expect to get back to the glory days for at least several years. Spain's islands and beachside resorts are already receiving reservations for the truncated summer season. Many hotel managers in Madrid, though, say they're likely to remain shuttered through September. They won't be able to fill their rooms without the conferences and business meetings that normally bring people in July and August. Juan Luis de Lucas Martín is an exception. The hotel Claridge that he manages is among the few open in the city. The experience has been okay. Occupancy has been, well, horrible. Spaniards still aren't allowed to travel between provinces, with some exceptions. Those who've booked rooms at the Claridge have come to Madrid to see their doctors or lawyers, or, in some cases, meet up with a loved one. I understand all my colleagues who have decided not to open until September because there will be nothing. We're open and nearly all the hotels in Madrid are closed and our record on the best day has only been 18 rooms booked. If more hotels were open, it would be absolute disaster because there's no demand. That's 18 out of 114 total rooms. Amid so many uncertainties, one thing seems clear. The V-shaped recovery that economists had anticipated for many countries now seems unlikely. In Spain and elsewhere, it will be more of a slog than a snapback. Jeanette Newman, Bloomberg News.
1: And that's our show today. For coverage of the outbreak from 120 bureaus around the world, visit bloomberg.com coronavirus. And if you like the show, please leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It's the best way to help more listeners find our global reporting. The Prognosis Daily Edition is produced by Topher Forges, Jordan Gaspure, Magnus Henriksen, and me, Laura Carlson. Today's main story was reported by Jeanette Newman. Original music by Leo Sidran. Our editors are Francesca Levy and Rick Schein. Francesca Levy is Bloomberg's head of podcasts. Thanks for listening.
0: The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg.